Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the office of the NACD, also known as the National Association of Corporate Directors. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Andrew Howard, Howard Insurance, Nick Gurig, Redmond, Peyton, and Braswell, Brian Chandler, Pretori Law, John Chuhart, Greybeard Coaching, and Henry Stever, Stever, the National Association of Corporate Directors, NACD. John, can you give me a rundown on who we have on the air today, please? Sure, Herb. Our first guest is Don Hendricks, CEO and President of FM Talent Source. Then we'll talk with Ben Miller, CEO of Fundrise. Our third guest is Jerry Simpson, CEO and President of Kitewire Mobility. And our last guest is Kevin Robinson, CEO and President of Modern Technology Solutions. Let's get to know our first guest, Dawn Hendricks, CEO and President of FM Talent Source. Dawn, what is FM Talent Source? What are you guys doing? We are a recruiting and consulting firm. Mm-hmm. How large or how small is this organization? We're about 185 employees. Uh-huh, 185. And how did you get a job with this company? I started this company. Oh, you started this company. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters do you have? I am an only child. Uh, what makes an only child special? We are natural leaders and influencers. Uh-huh. And uh, what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? I was a dancer. I was a young, young girl taking mm-hmm. dance classes. Uh, why did dance appeal to you? I really wanted to be a great dancer. My mom put me in it, and I had this goal of getting into a dance company. Mm -hmm. Were you naturally gifted as a dancer? I was not naturally gifted as a dancer. It was something that I definitely had to work at. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, let's see. John, why don't you take it? So you said your mom got you into dance. What did she do? My mom was a HR director for D.C. government. And what did your dad do? My dad was a uh, uh, entrepreneur, had a trucking company. And how did he get involved in the trucking business? My uh, grandfather also had a trucking company, so I'm third generation entrepreneur. So that's quite a, uh, a family history there of entrepreneurship, especially in the Washington D.C. areas in the in the African American community. How did your grandfather start that? Um. Or let me ask you instead, what was the influence your grandfather had on you since he started the trucking industry uh, 50, 60 years ago? Absolutely. It was uh, the determination, the tenacity, the doggedness um, to follow your dreams. And how does that show up today at FM uh, Talent? It is actually the same. So, you know, being a visionary, having strong goals and missions you, and, and dealing and working through mm-hmm. challenges in the marketplace. Andrew? What was your role in the neighborhood with your friends? So I was, again, the, the, the leader, the team leader, the go-to person. Give us an example. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So just even, you know, being in the neighborhood, what, we're, what are we going to do for the week, you know, do on a given day? Wh- whose house are we going to go? What's the game plan? What's the strategy? What are, you know, are we going to ride bikes? Are we going to, you know, go... So uh, you, were, you were organizing all the other kids, huh? Always. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's the similarity between organizing all the other kids and figuring out what everybody's going to do and building this business? Well, I'm constantly organizing and setting the structure, the tone, the framework, the tempo for uh, our organization. Mm-hmm. So you were, we're you were pulling your brothers and sisters around, even though you were an only child around the neighborhood, you were pulling your brothers and sisters around, which is what you're doing with this business as well, aren't you? It is exactly what I do. Uh-huh. Uh, John, did you want to ask a little bit about Well, you know, you, we talked about her grandfather. Uh, who was the support for your grandfather? The support for my grandfather grandmom. Well, what was the influence of your grandmother is really what I'm asking. Got it. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the matriarch, the female is always the backbone of keeping things going in the home so that he can be focused on uh, the day-to-day and doing yeah. the work. And what did your grandmother do for you? What influence from her shows up in you today? So uh, my grandmother, actually my maternal grandmother, was the one that gave a lot of structure inside of our home. She provided um, just a safe place, made sure that, you know, she was there to receive me when I came home, that dinner was ready, that, you know, when I got home I didn't have to stay up late by myself to do my homework. So she helped a lot. She provided a lot of support to me. And what from her shows up in you today? 
while she, you know, the caring for people. So I think she really uh, is a person that gave of herself and really wanted to see me excel and did everything that she could do to uh, make that happen. That is what my focus mm -hmm. is for my employees and for mm -hmm. my clients. Nick, giving what of do myself. you got? Well, you mentioned you were a dancer growing up. And um, did you ever go, how far did you take that? So I went all the way through the professional realm. So I did theater, a show that was on Broadway. I did a European tour of that, and I did a lot of TV and film. So did you have a dream as you were growing up to be on, on the big stage? I always had the dream of uh, being on stage. Now, how does that how does that dream and, and what you did on stage translate to what you're doing today? So it's a little different in that I'm not on stage dancing, but I'm still on stage uh, providing services and support to our clients and employees. So, um, Do you really find a similarity between being on stage and what it took to get there and what it takes to be CEO of a business? Absolutely. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Uh, well, I mean, th being uninhibited, you know, being able to go and move beyond the discomfort of fear um, you know, stepping out and starting your own business is a scary thing. Despite the fact that I had my dad and my grandfather, it was still a new experience for me. And so, and it was only me. So uh, I think that those are attributes and things that I learned specifically from being on stage. Did you ever talk to your dad about business? I did. Uh-huh. And uh, do you see how dad shows up nowadays? I absolutely see how dad what do you uh, mean? shows up. I mean, my dad was very, uh, again, I'm saying the same words, but just very diligent and determined. Um, mm -hmm. You know, business is hard. And mm -hmm. so it is not for the faint at heart. And, you know, being able to show up every day continuously, despite any challenges and obstacles, is something that I've definitely learned from my mm -hmm. dad, as well as discipline. Mm -hmm. We have long days, early days, late days, and those are things that I saw modeled uh, mm -hmm. in my family. Mr. Chandler, what do you think? Yeah, Don, obviously you, um, you got your start in the arts, right, when it comes to dance, and you do have a family with a business background. Um, and, and some of that, obviously, you talk about how it's transferable to what you're doing now. But there's also a lot of nuts and bolts, you know, everything from, you know, balancing the books to making payroll um, that is involved in running a business. Where did you develop those skills? Was that also something that you sort of, you know, did you rely upon your, your father and his, his experience on dealing with sort of the nuts and bolts of business operations? I, I would say that that actually came through some of the dance training, the structure that I learned, um, you know, growing up. I think to run a business, you have to be structured. You have to, you know, have a routine and things that you're doing on a consistent basis. Those are things that I learned uh, that helped me to actually excel even in, in the dance world. Andrew? You mentioned your mother uh, as well, Dawn. What's harder, being a mom or being a CEO? <laughs> They're both equally hard, um, but uh, I think, um, I think being the CEO has been a lot more challenging than being, what, being What's a mom. the similarity between being a mom and being a CEO? Uh, oh my gosh, everything is, you're dealing with people. You're dealing with things that change every day. A different person shows up every day, even if they're your child. Uh, attitudes <laughs> and emotions. John? <laughs> I, I wish our listeners could see the big smile on your face when you're talking about your mom and your dad. What do they think about their little baby girl who now runs a 185-person company? They are very, very proud uh, of me. They tell me that all the time. But why, why do you think they're proud? Well, I mean, to see something from an idea a thought, a concept to actually manifest itself in front of you. I mean, I can't, my business has been around for 14 years. There are so many smart people that do great things that their do, business do you does think not survive. Do you think your parents were surprised? I think that they were not pleased when I decided to leave my six-figure job to start my own company. Yeah, but do you think they're surprised that you've ended up building a substantial business of 185? I don't think they're surprised. I think they know my tenacity. I think they know uh, that I'm not going to give up. Mm -hmm. um, well, what's the best part of your day? The best part of my day is making a difference in the lives of the employees and the, cons the uh, clients that we support. Nick? Uh, outside of your family, anybody else influence you at a young age? So I would say Fran 
Peters, my uh, dance teacher, she has been uh, a great influence. Your dance teacher? My dance teacher. How the, how the, how did your dance teacher influence you? I mean, she just believed in me, and uh, she gave me a lot of opportunity, and she pressed me beyond limits that you know I didn't even know uh, were there. And, and uh, you're telling me that Fran actually helped you build this business? I believe that she gave me a lot of critical pillars that I have uh, built this business on, yes. So, f- so you've been able to relate her support and her influence to your helping build the business. How are you bringing that to the office every day? I think that... Um, Isn't that what you do for a living, actually, in the recruiting industry, in the staffing industry? You're doing is, what Fran does. I am. I am definitely imparting that same, uh, uh, those same attributes to our uh, employees. When we started the business, we really wanted to be consultative. We wanted to be able to support and help uh, anyone that was coming to us looking for a job. Those are the values that we uh, impart on a day-to-day basis. What's the website address of this organization? fmtalent.com mm-hmm. Let me have that one more time. fmtalent.com We've been speaking with Dawn Hendricks, CEO and President of FM Talent Source here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com and learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? Henry Stever with the National Association of Corporate Directors. And what's your role at that organ- at this organization? I'm the Chief Marketing Officer, and we are here focused on helping corporate directors lead with confidence in the boardroom. Corporate directors lead with confidence in the boardroom. All right. And you're the Chief Marketing Officer, so you're supposed to get more corporate directors involved in this organization? Yes. When you think about our role collectively, because this is a team, not just a marketing function, the team at NACD is really focused on expanding relevant awareness of what we do on a global basis and from a segment-specific basis gotcha. as well. And who had, a, who had a major influence on you as a kid? My great-uncle. And what was the influence? Uh, when I was in high school, I was evaluating colleges, and he introduced this concept called leadership, and he said, you don't really know much about leadership yet, and you're in ninth, 10th grade, uh, but whatever you do in the world, it's going to be really important. And he introduced the service academies to me at that point in time. So did you go to a service academy? I went to the Naval Academy, yes. So what did, what did going to the Naval Academy, how that plant the seeds for your being the chief marketing officer for the National Association of Corporate Directors, NACD? I've always been focused on growth and leadership, whether it was in sports, whether it was in the community, whether it was in business. Uh, I'm focused on helping our group of people, again, whether it's yeah. the team, the community, or business, uh, be unique, be extremely valuable, he had a and pretty, be sought after. Yeah, I, I hear it. Uh, uncle, Your uncle really helped you appreciate the benefit of leadership. You're helping leaders, you're helping grow leaders is fundamentally what you're doing in your role. What's well, the website address of this organization, NACD? NACDonline.org. Let me have that one more time. NACDonline.org. And your name again is? Henry Stever. And your role in the other organization? The Chief Marketing Officer. And this is uh, Herb Cohn with This Has Been Your Business Spotlight. This is John Schuhart. Join us, joining us for our Business Spotlight is Barry File. Who are you with, Barry? I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, a yeah. 501c3 nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia. And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax? I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the 1.1 million people who live in the county and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there. So uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax? It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I, and we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people, and we treat them like, we think of them like, like they're our, our friends. So, so we get to come in and just plan great events for them. What makes those events so special? We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences. And for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our event, but they are giving us their time and their energy. And that's an important thing. People want that ROI back. So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid? No, never. I, I think that when I was a kid, I, w- I was... I was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things. So what was it about being a kid that led you to this? Um, I think that it was just the challenges that 
were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's, it's the same principle. So when do you first start overcoming big challenges as a kid? Uh, I think I always was. Uh, I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me, I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is CelebrateFairfax.com. This is John Schuart, and this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Ben Miller, CEO of Fundrise. Ben, what is Fundrise? Fundrise is a website that lets you invest directly into real estate. Uh Uh-huh. And how many investors do you have? 50,000. 50,000 investors through this website. What's the website address, by the way? Fundrise.com. Fundrise.com. F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E.com. And how did you get a job with this company? I started it. You started it. And where are you from originally? Washington, D.C. And how many brothers and sisters? I'm the eldest of five. You're the oldest of five. And what was going on with you, uh, 8 to 14 years old, or a little bit younger than that? Yeah, so from 8 to 14, I was recovering from a uh, family divorce. How young were you when your parents got divorced? About six or seven years old. Six or seven years old. Uh Uh-huh. John? So, you know, what role did you play in the family after the divorce? Yeah. As the oldest, I basically became almost a surrogate parent. For who? You know, for my four siblings who came, you know, thereafter. Yeah. And how about your relationship with your mother? Yeah. I mean, my mother, in a way, you know, as as a single mother, I ended up playing a, a a very different role, almost a, a, an advisor. I, I remember uh, the financial crisis, 1987, Black Monday, and having to stay up late with her as she was crying, giving her financial advice about not selling during the crisis. Uh-huh. How, how'd that lay the groundwork for your career, the fact that you just stayed up on Black Monday where everything was going south and you're giving advice to your mother? How's that, how'd that lay the groundwork for your role nowadays? Is the, it says here you're the CEO of Fundrise. Yeah, I mean, I think it made me skeptical of the traditional financial system. Mm-hmm. Where does that skepticism come from? Uh, well, I think partly comes genetically. My my mother is a very skeptical, grounded person, and so uh, that's I think I get that from her naturally. And you said earlier your dad uh, was kind of an outgoing optimist. How, how do you how does that blend of those two show up today? Yeah, so my father is a, a relentless entrepreneur, very optimistic, uh, and that combination of skepticism and entrepreneurialism is sort of my makeup. It's a contradiction, but also, I think, key to our, our success. Perfect. Uh, Andrew. Ben, what sport did you play growing up? I played soccer. And what was what position? Uh, stopper as a defensive back. And uh, how does that parallel with what you're doing today with Fundrise? Well, I love soccer because I could be part of a team. I could let go. I could basically... You know, throw myself into into uh, basically sacrificing for the team. You know, I let go of all the stuff happening at home, all the stress, all the seriousness, and just be on a team that was about winning. Uh huh. And what's that have to do with your being the CEO of Fundrise? Yeah, I mean, the best part of my work is being with a group of people who are exceptional and just being uh, again letting go and just being in that team, thinking about doing great things. What was your effect on that team and that soccer team? You know, I mean, my job was to stop bad things from happening. Uh-huh. What's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays? Well, you think about, uh, you know, investing. You really have to think about what's going to go wrong. There's a saying. It's just uh, you worry about the downside, and the upside takes care of itself. And so if you're looking at a field, you see the ball coming. How do you stop it from going in your goal? All right. Andrew, you got something else there? So you're really um, directly doing the same thing that you were doing on the soccer field, right? You were, you're anticipating what the offense you know, was going to do. You're, now you're anticipating downside mm-hmm. in, in market uh, and, and focusing your investors and, and protecting the team, which is now uh, your employees and the investors, correct? Yeah, we're 70 that? people and we're always worried about what's going to go wrong next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brian? Yes, uh, Ben, you talked about how you, uh, you, you, you consulted your mother or advised your mother during the market panic in the late 80s how you are, uh, you sort of thrived in, in, in soccer, uh, being a defender, and with, in, in, the green, in the green room, you said when the chips were down and, you know, your, your job was to stop the bad things from happening. Uh, do you see yourself as someone who thrives or at least focuses on uh, crisis moments? Yeah, I mean, crises are when 
the most opportunity exists. A problem is an opportunity, but you have to be prepared. Okay. So do you, and you said that you're somewhat sometimes a skeptic, um, although you couple it with being an entrepreneur, but you just said right there that you see an opportunity present themselves frequently in crisis moments. Is that, is that the way you see things? Yeah, the, the, the best time to basically win is actually when everyone else is, is not prepared, is, is really struggling. So do you see yourself sort of as a, a contrarian? Um, is that how you sort of approach your, 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 your business skills and your business operations? Yeah, I think a combination of being uh, uh, neurotic, always worrying about what's going to happen that's on the downside, and then also uh, having a, a sort of nonlinear approach is, has opened up the ability to do what we've done. Mm-hmm. Nick, what do you got? Well, you... Uh, you You've obviously gone through some crises, you know, with the divorce and and uh, with financial collapse. And you mentioned that you've kind of got some anxiety about some of these things. Do you find yourself ruminating about the, the possible the things that can go wrong, and how and and how does that impact your approach to this in, this this investment uh, that, that you have? Yeah, I mean, we started Fundrise after the 2008 financial crisis, and so that reminded me that there's always an exponential crisis coming and every day you wonder if it comes tomorrow what would I wish I've done so uh, does he uh, you, you you said you were somewhat neurotic about uh, about the potential things that that could go wrong does that do you find yourself focused on those things and you, and you try to anticipate what's going to happen or, or yeah, yeah when I was I think I was eight my mom gave me a worry stone that I would rub constantly so it was all about thinking about how you how you take that that worry and folk and channel it into something productive so it sounds like you take the anxiety and you use where, it where is that worry stone now I have it in a drawer at the office or at home I have it at home I why should take it to the office this is a good idea why just save it I mean, it's, it's just who I am. I mean, it's part of my identity. Andrew? In the green room, we mentioned uh, you're the oldest by far and, and one of the oldest of five. Um, through this uh, divorce when you were young, uh, I think only one of your other siblings you mentioned you know, was around then, and, and so the, the rest came later. What was your role uh, with your siblings in, in this new family dynamic? Yeah, I mean, as a much older sibling, I, I, I was off, often a second a second source of advice, somebody probably giving them maybe the advice that they didn't want to hear from their parents. Wow. It sound, what's that have to do with what, you are, what you're doing now? Is, isn't that exactly what you're doing nowadays, being a source of advice, being a parent to the, to the kids? You know, it's funny. I hadn't thought about it that way until, until today, that it's about trying to do the, provide the advice and provide the sort of the prudence that my, I wish my mother had gotten. Over the, went back in '87, and really thereafter. What do you mean? I mean the 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 my the whole business of Fundrise is trying to create an alternative to the financial system, which continues to repeat a, a lot of the problems that that happened in 2008, where their alignment's not there, incentives are bad, and and you see crisis repeat. Right. So what you tried to provide for your mother is what you're trying to provide for these investors, aren't you? I mean, that's my goal. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it for 50,000 investors. You know, John? How do you pass that on to your kids? Uh, I mean, the thing about kids is that it doesn't matter what you say. It only matters what you do. Mm-hmm. What's the website address of this organization called Fundrise? It's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E, Fundrise.com. Fundrise.com. We've been speaking with Ben Miller, CEO of Fundrise, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on this show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues 
because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, w- what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business. And at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're you're, well you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights, of the area registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm-hmm. next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with the next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. Org. And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce <coughs> Jerry Simpson. CEO and President of KiteWire Mobility. Jerry, what is KiteWire Mobility? What are you guys doing? We make software that protects mobile phones, so specifically it protects the proprietary information of organizations so they feel comfortable letting their employees use mobile devices out in the workforce. And how large or how small is this organization? 34 employees. We protect over a quarter million phones. Wow. And where'd the venture capital come from to start this business? Uh, The company's bootstrapped from my previous ventures. So you've had prior businesses and use the money you've made previously to fund this one. That's right. So you really believe in yourself in order to keep on investing your dollars in your next venture. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas. Uh-huh. And how many brothers and sisters? One older sister. Uh-huh. How young were you when you started making money? Five. Uh-huh. How? 
Um, I would trade coupons for cash. So if uh, somebody came through the aisle and had, I would collect, what, let's just say, $15 worth of coupons. I would sell it to them for 11 So you were clipping coupons and selling the coupons in the store. So you were making a margin and they were saving money. Right. And I developed a system to figure out how I could quickly just watch their items, pull the coupons that they had relevant to their products and do the exchange. So you understood that if they were buying cereal to offer them coupons regarding cereal. Not even not regarding cereal, I would see specifically they bought Fruit Loops. I wasn't trying to change their buying habits, but that I had one for Fruit Loops. Uh-huh. So you understand that the market's the master, huh? And um John well, I'm curious. You're from a military family. Who led you, or how did you come to kind of think outside the box and question things? I, my mother definitely encouraged me. I, I would say she always planted the seed t- that the beaten path is okay, um, but uh, greater glories can come from t- prodding the edges and finding other paths. That if you take the beaten path, you'll get where everybody else got. So tell us about the first time as a kid you uh, veered off the beaten path. Um, I mean, I would even say, uh, I remember there was a kid in my neighborhood, Tyler, he sold lemonade, like a lot of kids sold lemonade stands, and I would watch people buy the lemonade, drive around the corner and dump it out the window, but they would keep coming back, and so I realized that they weren't buying the lemonade because they needed lemonade, they were supporting young entrepreneurs, so I would just take uh, construction paper and glue pecan shells because I lived in Texas, which is the state tree, and just glue it to it and call it art and sell it for $3. Wait, what happened to you at the, about the age of five? Uh, when I was five, my, my parents were divorced. Mm-hmm. What do you think that did to you? Um, I would say it had a major impact on me, but uh, I think it really gave my mother a stronger voice in my life. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, I would just say, one, I think her deciding to get divorced she wasn't happy and she didn't take um she didn't decide to just to keep going with it she made tough decisions to better her life your mom had courage she had courage yeah Uh uh-huh and you think that you picked something up from that courage i did and it it taught me that you can do things that other people won't like and it might lead to a better end and it's okay you can push through it andrew during that challenging period you were young you were five uh who was your your rock and your anchor during that difficult period yeah my older sister um definitely was uh my rock um my stepfather turned out to be a really great father figure which i didn't really appreciate until i was an adult but tell me about your stepfather um my stepfather was also in the air force um he was a very pragmatic guy um he was careful not to overstep his boundary as a father but really wanted to be there for guidance um, and more to encourage the parts of my personality that he thought were strong. What do you take from, from him into, into Kitewire? Um, you know, it's a very similar thing that, uh, you know, you don't have to be who other people want you to be, that you can, you can find your own path and you can get burned doing it, um, and that's okay, and, and oftentimes there's greater glories. Brian? Yes, you, know, you talked a bit earlier about how you, know, you came from a military family, uh, even your stepfather was in the service as well. Um, but, you know, where, where did you get the entrepreneurial element? I know you said your mother sort of, uh, you know, encouraged you to look at the path not taken as often. Um, but w- were there stories in your family or something of that nature which sort of drove you forward to, to entrepreneurship? Yeah, um, I'm named after my great-grandfather. Um, I never knew him, but I read a lot of stories about him, heard a lot of stories about him. Uh, I understood that he was a person who cared very deeply about his employees, uh, partners, customers, uh, which I sort of adopted into my own personality just because we have the same name. And so whenever I went into any entrepreneurial venture, those are characteristics that I tried to embody. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you you had these various business... um, Businesses when you were growing up, like the you know the car wash and what have you. But w- when did you really first develop your first substantial business, and what's the story behind that? Yeah, I um I started Mousemalls.com in 1998. It was basically what you think of when you think of Amazon today. I had enrolled in the University of Oklahoma and paid tuition, but decided that I would really use the time to start a business. So I had about 10 months. It was a great opportunity to get free consulting from, I wouldn't say free since it was paid for, but from all of the professors, even if I wasn't taking their classes, to use the uh, dorm room as an office, um, to use their fast internet connection, which was very difficult to find at the time. 
uh, and came mm-hmm. standard with tuition. Growing up, it uh, sounds like you always had something kind of going, uh, another venture, uh, even at five. Um, how did that interplay with, you know, the, the neighborhood kids and, and your friends? Yeah, so, I mean, I saw making money as leverage. My mother would try to punish me at times because I was somewhat of a mischievous kid. And a lot of punishments by taking things away. Well, if I could get them myself, then I could exude that leverage to get what I needed. I I found that if I could take whatever uh, ways I was making money in the neighborhood and recruit other kids to help me out, that that was useful. I could scale. I could have a bigger workforce. But I needed some leverage over them competing with me. And so I would do things like... Um, buy pager systems with the money that I'd made, and that's how we would centralize communications, and I could, you know, broker all of the management and scheduling of the work we would do, car washing, raking leaves, mowing lawns, shoveling snow. Andrew, why are you enjoying this interview? What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I just I just love that uh, all the angles and, and the way Jerry's uh, brain works. Um, uh, did you finish school? Did you I did not. Uh, no, I, I didn't get any credits at all. Mm-hmm. So did uh, your first ventures uh, stick through that time? It did. Um, it started making revenue, uh, not a ton of revenue, but enough to, to feed me. And then after some time, a gentleman approached me and said that he represented uh, Amazon and they were buying companies that pot- potentially could have a, a large venture capital injection and be competition. So what happened? Um, so I took that money. I celebrated way too hard <laughs> and uh, then didn't know what to do. I was didn't see myself fitting into a corporate culture, and I started uh, another company. Um, so you started your business in your dorm room, and how young were you when you exited the first business? 19. Oh, so you made a lot of money at 19, and then your next business got started at what age? Uh, I started it at uh, 20. How come it took you a year? I was celebrating the victory of the first exit. Uh-huh. So <laughs> you, your, na- your, nature's to, your nature is to um, to create and to pull people around your idea. You've been doing that since you were a kid with the neighborhood kids, haven't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? What? Um, how high is up? When do you plan to stop? There's a. Um, Have you I ever looked at that question? Yeah, my oh, um, my right. colleagues think that I'm uh, somewhat competitive. I grew up with Sean Parker, who, for those who don't know, was the first president of Facebook and the founder of Napster and um, Spotify. And uh, he's nine days older than me, and I always joke that it must have been a tremendous nine days. And I don't know what they taught him in those nine days, but I'd like a, the Cliff Notes. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat competitive. So you don't do? You, do you see yourself retiring? It's not um, on my mind. How old are you? 38. So you're 38, but you don't think you're going to retire. Is that true? Who knows? Uh I really don't know. What what, what do you think you would do if you weren't working and creating and pulling people around ideas and having inventive ideas and starting businesses? Oddly, I'd go to school. You you would go to school? Yes. I'd like to go to school and learn about things, uh, you know, for entertainment's sake versus uh, making money's sake, like art. Ah, so you do have other curious interests. Is is your mom still around, by the way? She is. Uh-huh. You, you think she's surprised because of how you've turned out? Um, I don't think she's surprised. I think that she feels... Uh, has she been to your office? She has. Uh-huh. How do you think she felt walking through those doors? Uh, yeah, I definitely think she was proud. Why? I think she was proud to see the the way that the employees, in the employee dynamic. I think she wanted to see that I would carry on the same. Wait, 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 wait! I wasn't expecting that answer. I thought you were going to tell me she was proud because you have a beautiful office and all these people working for you, and you're the king of the kingdom. That's not what I just heard. What yeah, I, I don't think that matters to her. What matters to her? I think uh, you know how we treat people is the thing that matters the most to her. You know what kind of you know stamp we leave, the ability to take. We we make a big deal out of business owners in this society, and you can leverage that into doing a lot of philanthropy. People will listen to you because they think you're somebody special because you did something in business. Um, and I take advantage of the idea that people will listen simply because of something that has to do with business. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization known as KiteWire Mobility? It's KiteWire.com. Let me have that one more time. KiteWire. We've been speaking with Jerry Simpson, CEO and President of KiteWire Mobility here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We will be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Tia Flick. And Tia, what, what organization are you with? Wearaware. 
And uh, what is WearAware? What do you guys do? We're a digital agency. Mm -hmm. And what's your specialty in the agency? I focus on search and analytics. Search and analytics. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So that's uh, how you show up organically in Google. Uh -huh. uh, it's pay-per-click. Uh, mm -hmm. And then how to measure all of that. Now, there's only certain, certain kinds of businesses that should be worrying about that stuff, right? Nope. Everyone should be worrying about it. Tell us a little bit about what types of clients and what kinds of industries you've been able to help. We work across a broad range of industries. Um, so we work with everyone, local companies mm -hmm. who might do air conditioning and HVAC mm -hmm. to really large companies that you might have heard of like Pitney Bowes. Mm -hmm. so, and you're helping these folks, your specialty in the firm is helping them with a digital strategy? Yes, so I, I specifically focus on uh, all their search needs. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what do you like about that gig? Well, the, the industry is moving at a lightning fast speed, mm -hmm. and I love being able to help our clients guide through that chaos that's happening. So you come up with creative ideas and present these ideas to them regarding how to get them results from search and all that other kinds of stuff. That's correct. And you got to keep involved with them because there's so many things changing all the time, it sounds like. Yes, constantly. Hmm. Doesn't that frighten you, all that change? Oh, I think it's so exciting. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I love mm -hmm. the constant pace of change. What's the website address for the organization? It's wearaware.com. Let me have that again. Wearaware.com, W-H-E-R-E-O-W-A-R-E.com. We've been speaking with your name again is? Tia Flick. And this has been your business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people, and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that uh, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events through art uh, through a happy hour mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that mm -hmm. that's what's exciting so it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? hell no it's a lot longer uh -huh. than that baby so do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that sure sure let me have the website address of this sure, organization bid.com and, and you can download boston connect mobile app let me have uh, let me have that website address one more boston bid.com and it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, 
We may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen, and we'd like to introduce Kevin Robinson, CEO and President of Modern Technology Solutions. Kevin, what is Modern Technology Solutions? Aerospace, defense, intelligence, services, and solutions firm delivering capabilities to the warfighter. And how large or how small is this organization? About 1,000 employees, $210 million in revenue per year. Wow. And how'd you get a job with this company? I actually met the founder, Phil Soucy, in 1993, working on a special program to shoot down missiles in the, uh, with the Israelis in the boost phase, so putting missiles on uh, UAVs. And you were employee number eight. And now you happen to be the CEO and president of this organization. Where are you from originally? I'm from uh, Huntington, New York, Long Island. And how many brothers and sisters? Two brothers and a sister. Where are you in the pecking order? I'm the oldest. And what did that do to you? Really wanted to set the example. You know, I had a very um, competitive uh, mindset and really setting an example for my brothers and sisters. John? Yeah, what was the influence of your extended family and how big was it? Yeah, very uh, large Irish Catholic family. Almost all lived in Long Island. I have over 30 cousins and I'm the oldest of all the cousins. So the first grandkid of my grandma was actually only 38 when I was born. So I've had grandparents in my life for a long time. So who is the most influential member of that extended family in your life? My Uncle Pat had a big influence on me. He was sort of one of the first engineers in the family, went to the Coast Guard Academy, and then started a business here in Northern Virginia after uh, he got out. And did, uh, did he th- was he the one that got you down here? He did. So I was looking around, and he knew about this place, and I wanted to work on missile defense, so I came here to work on the strategic defense initiative. Mm-hmm. Andrew? Tell me about Mom. Uh, Mom lived for the family. I mean, I'm blessed to have just two wonderful parents, and Mom was there every day, and she lived for the family and cared for us and just had a tremendously uh, blessed upbringing. What did you take uh, from her influence uh, throughout your life and, and I, as, as a leader now of this, this large Genuine caring about people, being empathetic, listening, putting other people before yourself. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. You're the CEO of a thousand person organization. <laughs> I read the newspapers. What are you talking about putting people before yourself and caring about people? Well, we're a 100% employee owned company. We made that decision 15 years ago we decided you never see good things happen when companies get bought, so we're all in it to make, make this work for all 1,000 employees. So uh-huh. how is modern technology like an th- extended family with 30 cousins? Uh, very close friendships, relationships. I just got back from visiting all 15 offices around the country, and we care about each other. It's non-hierarchical. Everyone has a role to play in our success. Andrew? What uh, sports did you play growing up, Kevin? Uh, football and baseball since I was seven all the way through college. And uh, we're, we're catching a theme here, but what, what was your, your role and in, in what positions did you play baseball, football? When I was young, I was a quarterback. I was the pitcher. I was a shortstop. I was the captain of my high school teams. I was the captain of my college teams. Not surprising. Yeah, so your, your role, well, what's the similarity between your role then and your role now? It is all about team ball. We talk about it at work all the time. Everyone has a role to play, and everyone has to do it in a – a genuine way to make the team successful. It's not about who's the boss, it's about the team and team goals. Brian? Yes, you talked a, a bit about your uh, your father was a steam fitter, he was probably a union guy, yeah. had a uh, sort of a, a very defined career path, but a relatively successful career path it sounded like. Yes. Um, what, what made you to sort of forego that more se- secure path and decide I want to go into something a bit more risky like my Uncle Pat? Yeah, my dad always put academics, number one. I also worked uh, for a number of years for another uncle who owned a construction firm, a carpentry firm, and I carried sheetrock and loaded truck for three years and did all the mundane duties. All the guys I worked with, just great people, always said, don't do what I do. Go out and get your education and do something different. That always stuck with me. So that experience of, of, of sort of hard physical labor, probably in the summer too when exactly, it's hot, yep. uh, sort of impressed you that you should go on and, and get your education and, and, and move on from there? Yep. And I had a football coach help me uh, recognize Rensselaer RPI at my school and got an aeronautical engineering degree. Yep. What did the old hands at the sheetrock company call you? 
They call me the sheetrock monkey. Go get unload that truck, sheetrock monkey, and bring the bring it all here and start nailing it up on the wall. And so. how does that show up today at Modern Technologies? Uh, I think you have to be humble, right? It's a, sort of understanding that everybody has a key role to play. Do it with humility and, and be genuine in who you are with everybody. Nick? Well, it sounds like you had a very blue-collar, uh, family-oriented uh, upbringing. Uh, how do you think that uh, it relates to how you deal with your employees? Uh, you expect a lot. Hard work. You expect hard work. And so I think, you know, it's, it's a different type of work, but... You know, do what you say. Commit to goals, realistic goals, and then deliver on those goals. And so because people watch what you do, you know, they watch what you say too, but more important, what you do. Mm -hmm. Were you able to, in doing the work yourself, being the, uh, the you know, doing the, the blue-collar work, um, do you, are you able to identify with them better, you think? Absolutely. I think, you, you know, people have different paths in life, and everyone's, you know, but everyone, what they do, respect it for you know their personal journey and, and help them on their personal journey so you're the master team builder i mean you're all about the team you were the oldest cousin you wanted to lead by example you're the oldest sibling you know when you were playing sports you played a variety of roles but it was never about me 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 you know you're all about the team no wonder you're the ceo how long have you been the ceo of this organization uh six years we've had two ceos the founder and uh -huh. then now, now when me. you took over how large or small was the organization uh, again, we're 1,000 people, 210 million. When you took over, how large or small was the organization? Uh, about half that size, about 100 million and about 500 people. No kidding. So you managed double the size of the organization in six years. It was a team effort. Yeah. Uh, figures you would tell me that. Uh-huh. Uh, are you, are you uh, married or single? I'm married and have four children. Uh-huh. Similarity between being the CEO of a 1,000-person firm and being a dad? Well, like, like my parents who set a great example, my dad was always in the stands for me, so... I'm always there for my kids, so I, I make that a priority to always be there for the family, you know, be there in their lives. Me, so you see a connection between your dad being there and what? Give me that again. I always remember my dad being there for every game I played, no matter it was college, high school. I played all the time, but he was always there. So being there for your kids, no matter how busy you are, so I, I make my travel schedule work around my kids' lives. Wow. Boy, you really are all about the team, aren't you? It's about other people. It's about serving other people. I see it as a key to success, Yeah. Well, you certainly have the you have the right to talk about that. You built a thousand person firm. What's the website address of this organization? Uh, MTSI-VA.com. Let me have that again. MTSI-VA.com. We've been speaking with Kevin Robinson, CEO and President of Modern Technology Solutions. John, can you give me a rundown on who we've been speaking with today? Our first guest was Don Hendricks, CEO and President of FM Talent Source. Then we talked to Ben Miller, CEO of Fundrise. Our third guest was Jerry Simpson, CEO and President of Kitewire Mobility. And we just talked with Kevin Robinson, CEO and President of Modern Technology Solutions. Excellent. I would uh, first like to thank the National Association of Corporate Directors, also known as NACD. What is the website address for NACD? NACDonline.org. NACDonline.org. And I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Andrew Howard, Howard Insurance, Nick Gurig, Bremen, Peyton, and Braswell, Brian Chandler, Pretoria Law, John Schuhart, Graybeard Coaching, and Henry Stever, NACD, for giving me hand structure in the questions. I'll be providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, thank you for joining us today and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.